Half a million dollars, Mr. Chambers? Yes. And that's only scratching the surface. We got them back, Mr. Webb, which certainly speaks for Ian's security. In fact, even the native labor has stopped trying to smuggle out stones. That gentleman is your problem. If you're complaining because no one's stealing. No, 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 I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. You see, wherever diamonds are mined, the temptation to keep one is inevitable. That's the psychological norm. It's when they stop. That's when I begin to worry. Our records are open to... I don't give a damn about your records, Mr. Chambers. Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts for this afternoon, today. It's a, kind of a gloomy day here. <laughs> and with me, from the They Must Be Destroyed on Site Podcast, is Mr. Lee Russell. How you doing, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. And uh, Gary Hill, I want my heroin. Oh, yeah. That heroin did a whole, whole lot of heroin, man. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, we'll start the show the same way we start every show, and I'll ask Lee... What's he been watching lately? Um, I finally did what everyone else on the planet has already done and uh, watched the first season of True Detective. So uh, uh, finally got that out of the way. I, I binged watched it uh, the last week or so. And man, what a great fucking show. Um, it, it sort of checks off all my little uh, nerdy loves, like uh, sort of hard-boiled detective stuff. Uh, sort of jo- Joe Lansdale-ish, sort of Southern fried, uh, Southern Gothic. Um, it's got references to weird fiction, like uh, The King in Yellow and all kinds of stuff. So it's got a little bit of an o- occult overtones to it. And I just love the whole fucking thing. Nice. I think I made it to about episode six of that first season. Mm-hmm. And stopped watching it for, I don't know, if it was for no good reason. I think... It, it took a while to get there for me, as, yeah. as far as that goes, and um, I just feel that shit. I'd rather, I'd rather be watching Frailty for for ninety minutes than watching that show <laughs> for for like ten hours or something. And uh, but no, I, I I don't hate it. I heard the second season is, is better than people think. Yeah, I've been I've been debating whether I'm going to watch it or not. I mean, it. I, I think the biggest slight against it is it just isn't like near perfect like the first season was that and i mean you know but it was still like really good for a just a cop procedural kind of thing but i stopped a lot of shows at like episode six for for no good reason game of thrones i, I stopped at like episode six i was like oh i'll come yeah. back to it i never have yet i never came back to it yet you know yeah probably, I, I watched probably I watched the first five probably, minutes of game of thrones probably when it's over i'll probably sit there and watch the whole thing you know, yeah, I, I might eventually get to it. Uh, I, I watched like the first five or ten minutes of it, and then I just never, never went back to it. 
right right around the time um what's his name was probably plowing the the dragon girl uh you know <laughs> i think that happens in the first 15 minutes of that first episode i don't remember uh, all i remember is <laughs> maybe maybe if i had uh gotten that far in the first episode i, I would have stuck with it yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> she, she seemed really bored so she, she, yeah. she's all into her dragons and whatnot though you know <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, my brother? Um, yeah, not not really. Uh, again, s- same thing I, I told you last time I recorded with you. It's mostly just been watching stuff for podcasting more than anything else, unfortunately. So, yeah, uh, me, I, I was we, we were without internet and cable because of some wonky business with the box outside. I don't know what the, what the technical stuff is, but it, it was broken. Mm-hmm. So I. Uh, I watched more than I would normally would because I had to break down my break out my um my DVD and Blu-ray collection and uh b- buckled on and watched some stuff that I wouldn't normally watch. <clears throat> I watched um Puddle Cruiser, which is uh, the Broken Lizard guys, the guys that made Super Troopers, and that's uh, first effort. And uh, they're extremely young in this one and extremely not as funny as they are now. But you, <laughs> if you really like the, if you really if you really like those guys. Uh, great, I like Super Troopers 2 much better on the, the second watching at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, you know, it, it's funny in parts, but it's more like like a dude bro romantic comedy. Oh, yeah. So, so if you're into that kind of thing, it, I, I, I'm not really, but I will say their sophomore effort with Super Troopers is much, much better than Puddle Cruiser. But if you're, um, if you're a fan of those guys and you want to see uh, Farva eating a big old... Big old uh, tube of baloney at the beginning of this movie. You, you, you'll, uh, you'll think it's really funny. You, you get some, you get some laughs or gags in this movie, but it's not, it's nothing like the slapsticky stuff you get later. It's, but it's, oh, a, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a fine. If you see it sitting on your discount store shelf for like two dollars, buy it and take a chance on it. But if not, you know, I wouldn't say you've lost a whole lot by missing Puddle Cruiser. It, it's, it's just okay. It, it's not great, you know. Um, I watched Cannibal Run because I bought the Blu-ray like oh, yeah. ages ago. So I said I'll put that in for a while, and that's always a good time. Uh, Cannibal Run is um, was uh, was Bo Ransdale's uh, newest podcast. The impetus for finally checking that out, or no? It's just it just I had it laying around. Uh, they had it for for uh, a shelf full of five dollar ones at Walmart one day, and mm-hmm. Cannibal Run was one of them. And I said, let's see how this looks on Blu-ray. You know, seeing it. It's one of those infamous HBO, you know, films that kind of like the Hitcher that you thought would never see a Blu-ray. Right. But, you know, it gives people hope that, that the Hitcher may make a Blu-ray since Cannibal Runs on Blu-ray now. So you may you may get that before you know it. Um, yeah. I think the digital rights are still up in the air, though, because I can get Cannibal Run 2 on Voodoo, but I can't get Cannibal Run 1. <laughs> and But whatever. And this is, this is the age we're living in. Stupid digital rights, uh, stupid yeah. stupid distribution rights, whatever. I come on, know. come on, movie companies, do the right thing before Burt Reynolds dies. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, another one I found at um, one of those discount stores, but it was brand new for like $4. The very out-of-print uh, Cheerleader Camp DVD uh, from Anchor <laughs> Bay. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun, I'll, I'll give it that. Um, the only problem is, it, it is an 80s slasher. So you kind of know who the killer is about halfway through, right? And uh, she, she she is a very sexy mascot, though. 
but you know mm-hmm. she, she was a very angry mascot, and you get some great stuff though. You get some some great kills. Betsy Russell and Lucinda Dickey are really hot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you kind of knew the you know the fat guy was gonna get it because he's the fat guy. <laughs> he's a pervo. Like, yeah, this guy's gonna get it. He's not gonna survive. And wouldn't you know it? He gets sliced across the belly, and it's kind of magical. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I gotta say, Sheila Camp is worth your time. It's probably on YouTube somewhere because uh, it does, doesn't have much of a release. So, yeah, if you're listening to Scream Factory, give give a give old Sheila Camp some love. I, I think it it deserves it. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, so I finally watched um, Ant-Man and Wasp movie. Uh, I think it's oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it was fair. I, I wouldn't say it's uh, the best Marvel effort you're going to see all day, because it's, it's kind of like if, if Marvel made an independent movie, like a standalone movie with no other characters in it but the Ant-Man characters, mm-hmm. this, this would be the one you want to watch. But I, I didn't feel... I, I think it kind of hurt the movie, because, you know... And their whole expanded universe, where they're going to have all these characters in the same same realm or whatnot, there wasn't one single character from those other movies because they were all making Infinity War at the time. So I think that yeah, that was kind of a um, a mistake in my opinion. You know, not not to include anybody, but also a mistake to film them at the same exact time. Yeah, I'm. I like I like the film fine. Um, it, it feels like a lot more of a lightweight fare compared to even the more comical uh, Marvel films that you see come out, like the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. Um, and uh, and uh, you're right, I, I think it should have a bit more connection because it's not like the Guardians where they're out in space, so they're not going to run into Captain America right away or anything like that. But, I mean, Ant-Man's actually associated with the Avengers, like he's a sort of like our on retainer Avenger or something like that, you know, the backup Avenger. So it, it would be nice to, to have a little bit more connection there, but eh, overall, I mean, they, they do throw you the bone in the uh, post credit sequence there with the, uh, reference to, uh, the infinity war. So, yeah, yeah, they did. And I, I like it. Okay. And I know what, what, you know, nerds, nerds that have never seen the first Ant Van film or, uh, mm. haven't seen this one. Like, hey, yeah, Ant-Man was one of the first Avengers. Like, yeah, kind of, but this isn't Hank Pym. Hank Pym is old in these movies, and he's not Ant-Man yeah. anymore, you know, so... Makes me wonder if, you know, I, th- I think they're supposed to be doing um, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, or Miss Marvel film, or whatever the hell she's called. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, so she's supposed to be, like, an early superhero from, like, the 90s or something like that in the actual timeline who's coming back. So I kind of wonder if they're going to do, because they, they did do a little bit of the uh, CGI, I think uh, de-aging of Michael Douglas for some of, uh, I think the first Ant-Man, if, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I so, that. so, yeah. So I kind of wonder if they're going to maybe have him like cameo in, in one of the Miss Marvel films or whatever. And Sorry about that. Yeah. I am. I'm curious myself. And um, yeah, they, I, I thought it was strange and I forgot all about that. Her, that, that being kind of in the past timeline kind of thing, because if you watch uh, Infinity War, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> C- Nick Cage reaches her on a pager, you know? It's like, like, mm-hmm. yeah. like, why is this happening? It's like, oh yeah, now I remember, because it's been so long, because I actually looked at a comic with, with uh, Captain Marvel in it. and uh, Not that um, I'm not looking forward to that. I, I, am, I really am. It's just, um, yeah. 
Yeah. Ant Man vs. Wasp, though, is not the worst thing you're going to see. It, it, it did a, a lot of fun stuff in it, like, like, you know, making things big and making things small, and a lot, a lot of quips between Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, and mm-hmm. that those were fun, and Michael Pena d- d- doing stuff, which, which yeah. you want in an Ant Man movie, just uh, talking really fast and crazy like, and. Uh, but yeah, I, I I recommend watching it. It, it was decent. Uh, one more thing, I broke out that um that Scream Factory Invaders from Mars Blu-ray, the the '80s one. Yeah. Um, that looked real good, and uh, I think the cast holds up real fine. You, you had some some pretty you know genre big 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 genre actors in that movie, and I I enjoy that and. The work that Stan Winston put into the creatures still still shows today. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love Pumpkinhead, uh, the fact that he directed that movie and did the, the creature really is a testament to, to the way he directed that creature because it's not it's not the best looking creature. No, so, so he he filmed it in the dark a lot, and I think that 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 was a a masterful job as a director in, in that scene. But the, these creatures, uh. Really hold up. They're real simple, real simple stuff, and I really enjoy that. And yeah, a lot of I think Dennis Murin was on the the effects team here, and he had a lot of you get James Karen in this movie. I think because um, mm-hmm. Dan O'Bannon was a part of this, probably that's why you got James Karen. Yeah, and um, Karen Black and Louise Fletcher and Lorraine mm-hmm. Newman talking about talking like a Conehead character, which was funny. <laughs> I didn't notice it this time around. Like, yeah, that's kind of funny. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah that that film scared that film scared me as a kid. Was it the frog scene? The no, frog? It, no. Actually, what it was was just the fact that once you get to the end, it's like, oh, it was all a dream, and it's actually starting now. The horror is actually starting, kind of thing. Like that. That really freaked me out as a kid. You kind of had like the premonition, I guess. <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. things to come. <laughs> Fooled you. Yeah, because at the at the end it's like, oh, everyone, everything's fine. Uh, the military come in and help the kids save the day, and they beat the aliens, and everything's good. And it, nope, uh, he's it was just a dream, and now it's really happening. And you know, oh, you're fucked now. My favorite thing, oh yeah, him just putting a child in danger. That this this U.S. military team, mm-hmm. that's fine. You know, that's that's what you want in an '80s kids movie. Kids yeah. get put in danger. Or if you watch that, if you watch the alternate ending to Mac and me, kids get shot in the chest over his alien friend. Uh, you know, is yeah. that true? Yeah, it, it happened. They, they, the director shared a really grainy copy of um, the original ending to Mac and me, which is him, the the the, the boy in the wheelchair, uh, huh. <laughs> putting himself in, in front of the alien and getting shot in the chest. And, uh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it got a little dark there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Man, if I... Because one of my sad shames, I didn't realize it was a shame at the time, but I actually saw Mac and me in the theater. I watched a lot on video. I don't think I've ever seen it in the theater, though. If, if, I'd, if I'd watched that... If I'd seen that in the theater as a kid with that ending, my God, that would have traumatized me. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, between that and Flight of the Navigator, I think that um, <laughs> it's like, mm. let's make kids hate the U.S. government even more. Like, yeah, yeah. If E.T. didn't do it enough for you, watch Flight mm-hmm. of the Navigator and Mac and Me. It's just like, yeah, government, government totally sucks. 
I didn't need Donald Trump to tell me that the government totally yeah. sucks. <laughs> um, what else? I got the Rocketeer real cheap on uh, on the digital, so I watched that just just oh, just cool. for no good reason because I love that fucking movie. But that that speaks for itself. But um, yeah, what we'll get into next is uh, our next segment being the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. Who the barbecue beef? Mine's the juice deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. Uh, Lee, you got any beefs today, sir? Uh, just a minor one, and it, it's more just like, it's an understandable one because I don't think a lot of this stuff survived or got, or got really released uh, by its own. But, um, you know, in in relation to one of the films we're doing tonight, uh, I've been watching a lot of Sunday and I've been really digging the soundtracks to a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of really great kind of uh, 70s uh, rock slash funk kind of stuff going on and, and jazzy kind of stuff going on in these films. And I just, I want the fucking soundtracks, and they're so hard to track down. There's only, like, a handful of them that are out there. Like, uh, for the longest time now, I've just been jonesing for the fucking theme to The Street Fighter. And uh, the film, one of the films we're doing tonight, Karate Warriors, man, I want that, I want that fucking theme that they play during all the fight scenes. It's really great. Mm-hmm. And it just pisses me off that I, I can sit here for hours on on the internet trying to every combination of uh, Google Google foo I can think of to try to track this down on on a, like a some blogspot site or something like that that uh, that has a bunch of links to uh, ripped albums and shit and it far as I can tell it's just like a lot of this stuff was never released or if it was it was released in Japan and just disappeared after that so it kind of really pisses me off it's like the, the best I can hope for is to like try to rip it from a movie and have like all the, the grunts and slashes and, and dialogue <laughs> going as, as, the, uh, as the song's playing yeah that's true I mean I, mean, I, I got hopes because a lot of the stuff a lot of older stuff that never had like a release is getting like a vinyl release or a digital release now. So mm-hmm. I think this, if that's a trend in, in Asia, you you might get something like that, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, some yeah. loving person who found some, some track somewhere and lovingly going to restore it. You know, like, like you said, you're not the only one. I'm sure Lee. There, there's an audience out there for it. So, Oh Yeah. Somebody's gonna do that one day, and I, I got living in the digital age. I'd imagine it's gonna be sooner rather than later. I just, I just hope I'm not in my in my 80s and I can't hear it anymore when it finally gets released. Huh? Huh? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else, sir? No. I'm, uh, yet again, I'm surprisingly fairly uh, even keeled as of late. So not not too many beefs. That's good. Yeah, I ain't got too many myself. You know, I got a lot to to, to to look look up about. You know, uh, cat was lost. If you didn't read my Facebook post, right? Now she's found because the dumbass was hanging out in the basement, not telling anybody about it. Just like, hey, I'm hanging out. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know what the fucking people want, but I'm just making you worry. Hanging out in the basement. Yeah, you know? that's what they do. So she showed up, and um, that made me real happy. 
made my heart real happy. But um, let me tell you what happened at um, Horrorhound um, Indy. I went with my with my brother, um, who's hanging out with his mother-in-law right now, so he's unhappy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, though, brother Rico. I love you. But um, we met a lot of cool people. We met a lot of a lot of fabulous people. Got some neat stuff for the auction. And uh, I hope you guys are all looking forward to that for Fleas and Flicks this December. Uh, I'll have to post some pictures of um, the stuff because um, a lot of neat stuff. But one one person I didn't get anything from, and, and usually when I when I go to these things and I, I I solicit for the auction, I either have to go through you know the the management or the showrunner to say can I solicit you know for the auction, and right. usually a lot of them are cool about it. But one of them who wasn't really cool about it, was kind of an asshole, was a genre actor, an actor who I love. And I'm, I still love his stuff. I, this, this thing isn't going to shine me off his work. But Billy Zane was there. And I heard from somebody else when I asked him, you know, what's Billy Zane like, you know, as far as his demeanor. And he said, when he when he said, this person said that, um, just don't don't ask him a whole lot of questions about a lot of things. Just kind of kind of make it quick. I kind of knew <laughs> that, um... <laughs> that he was kind of got to kind of be passive and possibly a douchebag, right? But when I stand there and I I, I, I pay eighty dollars altogether, it would have been it's fifty for the, the selfie and fifty for the autograph. If you get them together, it's 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 eighty at his table. If I if I stand there and I, I listen to you fucking insult me about how small time I am and how disorganized I am, <laughs> I instead of just a simple no and then I walk away, you know. Like everybody yeah. else, like I met Lori Petty, she didn't donate, and it's fine because she just said no and smiled and walked away. And I said, "Well, thank you for considering it." And then the, 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 the conversation was over, mm-hmm. and and that was fine. You know, you, you don't go do what Billy Zane did and be arrogant as shit about it, and fuck, 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 fuck. He, he didn't say that, but I'm saying that about him because he's just an asshole. Hey, fuck this guy. I mean. Here, here's the thing, Billy Zane. You ain't better than anybody else, and uh, you might think you are, but let, let's face it, dude. When you come to these conventions, you're slumming. Uh, you're, you, that's how bad your career's gone. So uh, maybe you should appreciate the fans a little bit more. Just saying. He's at Fan Expo Canada right now. You, got, you guys could, uh, if you listen, you're not leaving. <laughs> if you're in Lee's neck of the woods, you met him. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's, it's him. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard from some other people that he was very, he was kind of jerkish to them too. I was like, well, it wasn't just me then. Thank, thank God, you know. <laughs> yeah. But what, what it brings down to is I, my, my, my buddy got to meet Diamond Dallas Page. It's, it's like his hero because of the DDP mm-hmm. yoga thing, and he's all into that. And he lost like 120 pounds so far, and he's real, real oh. proud of that. And they exchanged phone numbers and stuff. So that was something I got. He didn't have any money to do any of this, so I, I, I. I was his brother and I helped him out and stuff and um, I got to meet the Lord Humongous uh, himself. Oh, nice! M- Mountain of a man. I was disappointed, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, some other people too. Uh, I'll, I'll put it all in some posts and stuff. And um, it, it was a great time though. But um, th- a guy like that could really ruin your weekend though. But I did not allow him to it because because um, after that I got to meet Lou Diamond Phillips and then uh, Keep Sutherland and. Those Ooh. guys were infinitely cooler than he was. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's put it this way: um, the picture I picked for um, Lou Diamond Phillips for myself for the first one was uh, from, from the big hit, 
and he loves that movie as much as I do, and uh, <laughs> that 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 helps my heart a, a great bit, <laughs> more than uh, more than Billy Zane ever could. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, fuck that guy. But I, I'm, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna move on, just like I walked away from his table and moved on from, from that weekend, and talk <laughs> about two films in this beef stew episode, which I tell people like bring a movie to the table. And Lee brought a movie to the table uh, in Karate Warriors from 1976. It's the first Sunny Chiba on this show, by the way. It's never, never happened before yet, so... What a what a movie to bust your Chiba cherry with on this podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's wild stuff. And then I picked uh, a movie called Killer Force, or The Diamond Mercenaries, also called The Diamond Mercenaries, uh, mm-hmm. from also from 1976, coincidentally. Uh, got a big-ass cast. Uh, Telly, yeah. yeah, Telly Savalas, Peter Fonda, Christopher Lee, O.J. Simpson, and uh, so some other, some other actors in there that are pretty awesome. We'll um, we'll get into Lee's movie first, though, <clears throat> being Karate Warriors from 1976. Right after this, hey, feeling down, feeling low, not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight. The new podcast cure-all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy. African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Karate Warriors, uh, starring the great Sonny Chiba, uh, rated R. Um, Chiba plot <laughs> synopsis is this. Uh, a karate fighter and a, and, a, and, and a samurai join opposing gangs to take them down from the inside. See, that, that synopsis makes it sound like they're working together in this movie. Yeah. Which, you know, they kind of are, but they kind of aren't, you know? Yeah, they they got more of this uh, professional respect for each other than they are an actual team working together. That's about it. But Lee chose this movie. Tell us all about it, man. Yeah, um... I've been buying a lot of Sonny Chiba stuff as of late, like in the last year or so, and this was one of the films I had not watched yet, so it, you, you uh, setting up this show um, basically gave me a perfect excuse to finally get around to watching it, and I'm glad I did, because uh, although on the surface this is essentially just a Yojimbo ripoff with a little bit of Lone Wolf and Cub kind of thrown in. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, this is, for my money, I, I might dare say, and this might be sacrilege to some people, I think this is even better than uh, Street Fighter. I think this might be Chiba's best film, at least the best film of his I've seen so far. And I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed this whole thing. Like the director who uh, did this, uh, Kazuhiko Yamaguchi, um, he directed Chiba and a bunch of other stuff too. And he also did the uh, sort of spinoff series from the Street Fighter uh, films, uh, Sister Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. And he also did Chiba in uh, Wolf Guy, which is uh, an interesting film where Chiba plays a werewolf. Um, oh, dude. 
Yeah. I'll have, uh, have to get that in the show just for Jamie, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a, there's a, uh, I think a, um, what is it? Uh, is it Severin or, um, uh, what or Shout Factory or some, one, one of those ones, uh, just released it on Blu-ray like last year. Nice. But, um, yeah, but, uh, this, this director, man, I can see why Chiba worked with him so much because he makes Chiba look like a million fucking dollars in this film. Chiba's just got the ultimate swagger. He's just cool as shit. And everything he does is badass in this film. And it's it's basically all killer, no filler. Like, there's there's no slow moments in this film. Everything just moves along at a really quick pace. And all the fight scenes are fucking amazing. I was, I was just blown away by everything in this that's just... <laughs> there, there's nothing that's not cool about this film. And even the ridiculous stuff is amazing. Yeah, I, I dug it as well. Usually, I don't... I don't... I don't say I don't seek these out. It's just a lot of these ones I don't know which ones are the good ones, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't like pursue them because I don't know I don't have the the know how of what's good and what's bad. But uh, this was a lot of fun. I mean, Sunny Chiba comes out of the gate. I love Drifter characters, and he he just seems like this guy that that, that just shows up in this this village and and I mean this city just to start some shit with with, with yeah. both sides, you know, with his uh. Leather jacket, a slash sometimes leather vest, that brown yeah. leather vest, you know. I guess he has to yeah. show. I guess he has to show up the guns with the leather vest. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking! This, like, like I said, this movie is just totally set up to make Jeeva look like the coolest motherfucker ever. And like, he's, he's essentially playing the same character he plays in a lot of films, where he's the the quiet lone karate master who can kick everyone's ass, and he has his own moral code and all this stuff, but. There's one fight scene in this where the bad guy gets a hold of his sleeves and rips his sleeves off purely just to show off Chiba's fucking arms and show how fucking muscular and badass he is. Like, that that's the only reason for that to be in that fight scene, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I guess they, they, they had to turn that on for the ladies, I guess. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was a pretty cool scene, though, because he made it work. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of flying jump kicks in this movie. I mean, if you've seen the, the conclusion of... The uh, best of the best, yeah. Where, where Eric Roberts has his his arm taped up and he has to like do these this flying fan kick, you know. <laughs> uh, Sonny Chiba did it in this movie, but it was more believable that Sonny Chiba you could you could believe that your Sonny Chiba can fly mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, this shoots Chiba really well in the action scenes too. Because I mean, I really like Chiba's sort of on screen fighting style. It, it's a lot rougher and a, a lot less disciplined than say like a Bruce Lee or something like that. Like it, it's not as crisp looking. It, it's much more, it looks more like a real kind of fight, a real brawl in, in some regards. And the way this movie, the way this director shoots him, it covers up all the, you know, all the rough edges to it. It, it makes it look fairly fluid where in some films you can sort of see the holes in Chiba's fighting game. But in this film, he just looks like total badass. Like there, there's no one, no one can fuck with him. Oh man, we didn't explain the really plot this movie. Basically, there's, there's two brothers that run this city, and they have rival factions, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> they're basically fighting for for you know everything. But the, yeah, but the only thing that's gonna break this feud is this this duffel bag full of heroin that that happens yeah. to be buried in this cemetery in a way because you know um, yeah. 
our, our hero, our drifter, happens to find the key that 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 involved this heroin and the thing, and of course he, this starts a war with him and the the, the samurai, who's the the rival of him, I guess, in this film, or mutual friend. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because they're they're, they're really seem like they're both trying to stir shit up in this movie. Yeah, well, the the samurai's sort of he's he's just the enforcer of one of the gangs. So he's really only at odds because Chiba basically becomes the enforcer of the other gang. And the samurai is he's, – he's like honorable and Chiba's honorable. So they respect each other and the samurai, he might be working for a dirty master, but he, he still has his code and, and he still sort of follows the sort of Bushido kind of thing where you serve your master and you die for your master or whatever. Up to a point. He, he finally sort of gets sick of them, especially when they turn on him. Um but, but yeah, it, it it's it's essentially Yojimbo with a few twists thrown in, um, and it's basically just it, it's got a, a little less of the nuance too. It's like Chiba kind of plays these guys way easier than Toshiro Mifune played the gangs in uh, Yojimbo. So yeah, I love um, <laughs> well, this is kind of like Asian Bob from House by the Cemetery. This little uh, about, yeah, they, they um. The way they overdub his voice is is very terrible, and you know, he's, he's, I don't know what his actual voice is, but I'd imagine it's not much better than that. No, and and the the kid says some lines that a kid his age wouldn't say. Like the the English dubbing for this is it also really helps this film in a way because it everything that you hear in the dialogue is almost totally exposition that's telling you the plot for the dumb English foreigners who can't figure out what the fuck's going on. Yes. <laughs> it's like the bad guy, one of the bad guys, you see him, um, uh, he, he just gets done sleeping with the, uh, with the, the sort of gangsters mole who sort of jumps around from bed to bed in this film. And he's got his shirt off and he's got this big slash down his chest. And he's like, so-and-so gave me the slash. And it's like, she would know that. I mean, she, she she knows this dude. She knows everything about him, basically. She would know that. So the only reason this guy says it is for the audience to get some background information, basically. Does she know that it still really hurts? Because he said that, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still really hurts. <laughs> oh, I'd imagine a giant, because this, 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 is, this is not like a little scratch. This is a giant gash mm-hmm. across his chest with his sword, and, uh... It still really hurts. Yeah, no yeah. shit, guy. You know, I'd imagine it really does. You know, it's not going to tickle when that happens. Um, one of the things I love about this film is, like, the rivalry never ends. It's like the, the samurai and the drifter. <laughs> the rivalry's like, yeah, you're still working for that guy. You gave my son a blood transfusion that saved his life, but you know what, man? You're going you're gonna, we're, we're, you're gonna to die, but you're going to die with honor, you know? <laughs> Okay, I have a question. I have a question about that because I must have missed something. Because that didn't look like a blood transfusion so much as it was just a straight-on blood injection. Yeah, and it's I'm, just I'm, giant yeah. syringes. You know? I'm wonder. I'm wondering if that's like an actual medical procedure of any sort. Because essentially, what it is is that the kid was, you know, uh, he was kidnapped and he sort of got knocked around a little. I didn't see him like. Uh, you know, lose a pint of blood or anything like that. No, so, me neither. <laughs> yeah, so they inject they inject him with uh, Chiba's blood to cure him. So basically, the message here is that Chiba's so fucking badass that even his blood can cure any disease or injury you have. And and I love how the doctor's like, "Give me another twenty cc of blood." 
<laughs> it was just uh, like Chiba can do no wrong. Every and uh, I also had a sort of theory since this kid is the son of the samurai and the samurai wears basically a Dracula cape mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, could this kid be a vampire as well? And that's why he's taking the blood. He needs the blood to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that, that was that's just some weird headcanon I was sort of throwing around in there. But uh... Uh, is, is there is there a sequel to this movie? Because the, the way it, it kind of ends is you essentially, you know, after most of the gangsters are dead, because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you you get the the showdown between the samurai and the drifter, and drifter wins. If you, you guys want to watch this movie, it's pretty badass fight. It's, it's pretty badass mm-hmm. all around. But the, the son kind of looks at looks at Sonny Chiba like, yeah, I, I will have my vengeance. But first, take me to the mother that I thought was dead, and then all is kind of forgiven or something. Yeah, there's 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 kind of like almost a a Kill Bill aspect to it, where, um, and it's it's weird. There's there's sort of a false ending to this too, because uh, Chiba fights the the samurai. He beats him. Um, he decides to take care of his son. He kills the he kills the gang as well, like the two rival gangs. He wipes oh, them out. Yeah, and then the main gangster who was in prison that was originally running uh, the big gang that these two gangs split fr- split from, he comes back. He breaks out of prison, and he wants to fuck Chiba up for for taking his heroin. And so you have another ending to this film. You basically, it's like part two. <laughs> like they could have done a whole other film with this plot, but instead they just sort of fit it in in the last ten minutes of the film, and you get another big badass fight. And then you get Chiba like, "All right, I'm going to have to put you in a foster home." And the kid was like, "No, no," because of his birth mother doesn't <laughs> want him. So, uh, so he. Chiba essentially adopts the kid, and then, then you get basically, uh, if you were to do a sequel, which there were no sequels, but if you were to do one, it probably would have been like a lone wolf and cub straight straight up ripoff at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, there's a lot to love about this film, and, and the only really thing not to love is the the ability to find a good copy of it, because I know that um, it's on it's on Daily Motion like you gave me, but it's also mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. But neither prints are very good, and I don't think the DVD prints, with the exception of the, um, I think BCI here in the States, uh, put out a, a double bill with a Dragon Princess of this movie, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I think that might be out of print, because I can't really see I, a place to buy it anywhere. Yeah, I got mine, um, mine comes in, a, I think it's a five or six movie pack, or maybe a bit more, it's, uh, the, it's just called the Sunny Chiba Collection, Gotcha. And it's got it's got this, it's got um, Dragon Princess, it's got Sister Street Fighter, it's got Bullet Train, which is uh, basically the film that Speed ripped its uh, premise off from. Gotcha. And it's got uh, <coughs> uh, Glogo 13 as well, uh, uh, the live-action Chiba ad- adaptation of uh, the uh, anime. anime. Yeah. Yeah, which actually isn't all that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, the print that I got on this this collection is actually really good. Cool. To look for that. Um, hopefully, a, an American equal to that. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, Karate Warriors, real fine. Lee, anything else you want to say about the movie? Um, all I gotta say is, if you want to see like the best possible light for for Chiba to be presented in, 
I think that you could do no wrong with this film. Um, just just the way the fights are are filmed in this, uh, the use of slow motion, yes, uh, mo- moving back in the fast motion, the, the transitions be between them are really really well done. Like there's some really artful uh, cinematography and stuff done in this film. Um, and it, it just makes Chiba look like the ultimate badass. And like we were talking about, um, uh, the soundtrack for this is really good. The, the main theme that plays during Chiba's fight scenes is amazing. And yeah, if you, if you like this kind of stuff, if you're a Sonny Chiba fan and you haven't seen this yet, you need to see it. It, like I said, I, I think it might possibly be his best film. Oh man. <clears throat> yeah, like I said, tons of fun. Uh, Chiba <laughs> is, is, is no exception. He's on his game in this movie. Mm-hmm. His, his leather game is tight. Uh, <laughs> I think my leather game will let the game off. It, it chapes, man, but he doesn't give a fuck about that in this movie. He just, you know, he wears his, his brown leathers all the time. I, I thought that um, Paul Newman could only pull that off in Slapshot, but he, he pulls off that brown leather pretty well in this movie. And, yeah. <laughs> Um, the gore, I didn't, we didn't mention like like the the samurai's uh, action with with the, mm-hmm. with the blade. It doesn't cut away from from, from the gore, no. and uh, and it doesn't overdo it either. Like it it just it just picks key scenes for like the real money shots. I mean, there's only one arterial spray I can remember in the film. Yeah, there's only one. And then there's uh, there's a chopped off uh, hand. Uh, at one point that you see, which is really good. And then there's just a lot of stabbings and slashings. Yeah, he's real good. Um, the um, the setup of the the robbery is real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot plot throughout. I mean, this has it a plenty, and um, only real weakness is that little boy who's kind of shitty. Yeah, you know? yeah. The, the little the little short round version of Bob basically is just. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, 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 stranger, for killing my father and bringing to my mother. Really, really, mm-hmm. really great. You know and. And uh, oh yeah, his, his, the whole character in in that that little boy is like he's just walking around town saying, "Yeah, my father's the samurai." Like, how many fucking samurais are in this fucking city? I, yeah. Think, yeah, I think they only fucking know one. Yeah, he obviously has enemies all over the place. So if you walk on the street bragging that your father's a samurai, they're gonna know exactly who you're talking about. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, what would you give Karate Warriors uh, out of ten? One to, one to ten. I am. Like like I said, I think for me, uh, I, I I watched this twice now. So I, I watched it uh, when I got off work this morning, and then I watched it after I uh, got up uh, and got ready for this this podcast. And it still holds up for me, even even more so, picking out more details and stuff. And I think this is the best Sonny Chiba film I've seen so far. I, I love it even more than Street Fighter, and I got to give it. If, I, if I'm just stocking strictly both um, entertainment value and just the technique behind this film, like the production, um, I'm giving it a fucking ten out of ten, man. Cool. Yeah, I had to watch another another um another go around because just to give it a proper score, but it's at least eight. It, it, mm-hmm. It's damn enjoyable all the way through. So uh, yeah, thanks for bringing this to the table, Lee. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for uh, finally giving me an excuse to get off my ass and watch the damn film this week. So, <laughs> nice. but um, next up we're gonna talk about something entirely different, which is the fun of this show, uh, <laughs> and Killer Force, aka the Diamond Mercenaries from 1976. Right after this. 
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could it's get out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little popping history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did be a you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Some men kill for a cause. Some men kill for a price. And some men just kill. American International Pictures presents Killer Force, starring Telly Savalas as Webb. I'm sorry, sir. No one mentioned you were paying us a visit. No one knows. Never. A cold-blooded hunter of men. Finish the job. It's quite impressive. Sometimes I get carried away with it myself. Peter Fonda as Bradley. State your position. Over. I am opposed to all governments. He had his own ideas about life. Well, what do you think? I think this job might have its compensations. And death. Hugh O'Brien as Lewis, a mercenary. He earned his living by risking his life. Wait a second. You wait a second. When it comes to my life or someone else's, there's nothing to discuss. O.J. Simpson as Bopper. He was quick, <laughs> fast, and deadly. Maud Adams as Claire. Good morning, Mr. Bradley, sir. Reporting for security check. You know the procedure, Miss Chambers? Remove your clothes. Most men used her for her body. One man used her for bait. But take my word for it, Ms. Chambers, even without your help. Next time you see Bradley, he'll be dead. Killer Force. We could ask them to give up, Mr. Webb. But I don't think they'd hear us. Fire. Fire. The substation's on fire. All hell's broken loose. You are, you... <laughs> you bet. They were professionals who killed for hire. But the man who hunted them killed for pleasure. Ground patrol, they're making for the dunes. Head them off. Where on earth do you get your license? I want it in the crack game. The killer force. When he sets his sights on you, there's no place on earth you can hide. Killer Force from 1976.
Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. A five-man team of unprofessionals undertake a daring robbery at a diamond mine, which is pretty much what this film is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a huge cast. Uh, Telly Savalas, it is probably most Telly Savalas. I, I, I say that a lot, but he's pretty, he's pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty spot on in this movie. Mm-hmm. A very bearded Peter Fonda, which I'd never seen before. I, unre- I I didn't I didn't recognize him for half the film. It was it wasn't until he took like his sunglasses off. It's like, oh yeah, that is Peter Fonda. Holy shit! <laughs> we had Christopher Lee in this movie. Uh, O.J. Simpson has a character called, <laughs> called Bopper uh, Alexander. You know? Yeah, he's the token black guy because the other token black guy gets shot in the first five minutes. Yes, he does. Yeah, Maude Adams, you're pretty hot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. The reason I brought this film to the table is because I, I I tend to frequent many Facebook groups and people put up random stuff that they're watching. It's like, wow, that's got a great cast. I I want to see this. This can't be bad. Mm, the, but, uh, the 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 poster for this is badass. Oh, like yeah. it makes the film look like a million bucks. <laughs> it's decent. I mean, you, basically, you, you mm-hmm. got this plot of this. Uh, Telly Savalas plays the the head of security for this diamond mine. And of course, if you ever seen any movie or any watched any documentary about diamond mines, people are always trying to steal the loot, and his job is to sniff it out, basically. Yep. And uh, Peter Fonda, god damn that fucking beard! It's fucking massive, fucking mystical. And today is National Beard Day in the states. <laughs> so, so happy National Beard Day, Peter Fonda. Yeah. You didn't wear it much, but you wore it very grisly and very, uh, very haggardly. <laughs> um, he, he works for them with, with the security as well, but you come to find out that he's working with this this ragtag group. You know, if, if you, I was going to say, if you like the A Team, you, you'll yeah. probably dig this movie because this is basically the A Team before the A Team. Yeah, you know, only they're, they're not really going for the crime they didn't commit; they're going for the crime they want to commit and <laughs> robbing this diamond mine of, of twenty million dollars worth of diamonds. Which I thought sounds kind of low, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Even for nineteen seventy-six dollars, the amount of diamonds that this mine must have produced had to had to amass way more than twenty million dollars. But oh yeah, tons. Um. Anywho, uh, I'll ask you, Lee, uh, what you thought of the film. I was uh, I was pretty attracted to it when you uh, when you showed me the the, the movie we're gonna do. You, I saw the poster. I was like, oh, this looks really good. I mean, this this is like one of the best sort of casts full of legit stars earning tax-free paychecks that you can hope for in one of these uh, films. And um, I, w- I was totally on board. Uh, I-, I think it looks really good. Um, I think it moves pretty quick. Uh, I would say if you're looking for a Cracker Jack heist film, this ain't it. Uh, this is this is an action film. This is a, like a pure action film. There's a little bit of men on a mission heist stuff going on and it's a little bit slower than what you would uh, attribute to more modern action films but it, it's essentially a everybody's machine gun and everybody kind of film and um, I enjoyed it uh, I, I like the performances um, I'm always going to like anything Telly Savalas is in just because I'm a ugly bald man myself so uh, he's one of my spirit animals um, I have Peter Fonda's poodle hair I, I that's the only time I've ever seen him with curly hair like that, and it just freaked me out for the most of the running time. I'm like, Jesus, that's a choice. Um, he really is. Uh, he really is unrecognizable in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it didn't help that like I, it, it feels like they all the actors had to dub in their voices, um, so they 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 sounded a little off to me. I don't know. Maybe that was just. Uh, I I seen yeah kind of there was points where the the the, the mouths didn't really match the words they were saying sometimes so mm, so so it threw me for a loop like I said again uh, first little while I didn't realize that was Peter Fonda I figured oh this is just sort of the opening coda to the film and then Peter Fonda is going to come into it and I was like no lo and behold take the sunglasses off oh shit that is Peter Fonda holy fuck um, Christopher Lee's in this basically just playing. A fictional version of what he did in World War II, essentially, just a you know a hired killer kind of thing, <laughs> uh, and you know classing up the joint, uh, earning his paycheck. At around this point, Christopher Lee was one of the most highly paid actors in Europe, so uh, he, he was he was actually commanding big paychecks, even though he appeared in a lot of shit. He he was usually like he would, he'd show up in a movie, and he'd probably like take about fifty percent of its budget. Some of these films he was in. Um, O.J. Simpson, you can see his personality. You can see why he got more roles in uh, other films. Like, he, he, he does liven it up a bit. Um, and, <laughs> uh, he, again, he's the token black guy. So uh, you, you, you always have one of those on one of these Men on a Mission films from this era. And Maude Adams, like I said, looks really great. Uh, she gets Me Too'd by uh, Telly Savalas at one point in the Man, film. Man, so rapey. It's so- mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, fairly enjoyable. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest. Um, there, there's definitely better men on a mission films, but this is actually pretty good for one that flies under the radar. Oh, I agree. There's tons, there's tons of other great, other better men on a mission films, but I think that, you know, stuff like OJ Simpson's performance keeps me in it. Um, mm-hmm. Christopher Lee, Minimal, but kind of badass. You know, you, yeah. you, he, you ever thought of him as like as like an action star? But, yeah, but he kind he kind of pulled off like that that mean demeanor in this film. I know it's not really hard for him, but it was a different yeah. kind of mean. You know, I mean, I mean, he he's he's legit killed people in World War Two. I mean, he he knows he knows the discipline. He he knows how to sell that because he's he lived it. So you know, there you go. Yeah, I think the biggest flaw of this movie is it's a ninety minute runtime. <clears throat> but it takes you about an, about fifty minutes to get there, as far yeah. as you know, because the whole whole time is these guys. This this the, the the lead guy. I think his name is first name is um, or surname is Hugh O'Brien. The, yeah. the, this guy should have been Roger Moore or mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance or somebody like that. Yeah, that that that's my, my one of my biggest things about it, is if you're gonna have a leader <clears throat> amongst this 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 group of like pr- pretty pretty great, you know. Guy, so yeah, I know you already had one British guy in there, and he was kind of great. But I, I think if you had Donald Pleasance or Roger Moore in that role, I, I think that it would it would have heightened this this already g- group of great actors, yeah, great genre people, and, and just pushed it over the edge for me because this guy really wasn't all that believable as like the lead guy. Yeah, Roger Moore would have. Yeah, Roger Moore, you're you're right, you're spot on. He would have been perfect for this film, and this film probably would have been. Uh, remembered a lot more if Roger Moore was running the show. But uh, the locations are great. <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't do too much research on this film. It seems like they use like real desert locations mm-hmm. for the for this movie and the, the 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 whole the chase scene towards the end though and those those yellow trucks slash dune buggies yeah. was pretty dope. 
I just yeah, it, uh, car crash. The 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 where where they escape from the thing and they they hit the uh, ditch or whatever and crash. Yeah, that was well done. That's a hell of a stunt work right there. So it's, it's filmed really well. It's just it, it it takes you a while to get there because all of a sudden this guy that that was supposed to be their inside man, all of a sudden you you have the Peter Fonda character who just seems like he just wants to go away with his lady friend. Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I'm the guy. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, sh- it feels kind of shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it does. Like there's shit, like there, maybe there was some interference on the writing or the direction of this movie. This yeah. Thing, this, okay, we have, we have a star in Peter Fonda. We, we, we got to make him do something or, or, you know, to, to get in with this, this ragtag group of thieves, which the, the their plan. It, this isn't this is an Ocean's Eleven. Okay, they don't have an, an intricate plan to get this. Mm. It, it depends on a lot of things. Yeah, and a lot of weird things. Though yeah. it's like, I mean, their their little uh, their little motion sensor or whatever it is they have surrounding the entire mine area. It's a, like a five foot trench that can be jumped. Why not not make it a ten foot trench? There's no way any car, any person is getting past that. Like, it, it just would have made so much more sense just to you know double the width of the trench. There you go. And a lot of these uh, these old men making making that leap across that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this, um, this underground strip that can detect any metal and make alarms go off. Yeah. But when you you get to the the electrified fence, it looks like chicken wire, kind of. You know? Yeah. And then when you when they get into the the actual place and and rob it and try to escape, all of a sudden there's this like army pops up like the size of the army in Commando that Arnie guns down. It's like all of a sudden there's just guys everywhere. I mean, you get this this twenty million dollars worth of diamonds. I'd imagine you need a lot of guys to guard that or whatnot or <laughs> hack off the natives' arms a la Blood Diamond if they try to steal, <laughs> you know. Which, if Blood Diamond has one thing over this film, there's that one scene where that guy gets his arm cut off for stealing yeah. the diamond. Yes. Um, yeah, but the cast is great. They they get dispatched awful quickly. That's a major problem I have with this film. Because when you get down like the last 20 minutes and they're having the heist, which mm-hmm. is predicated on O.J. Simpson being, hey, I'm going to infiltrate their stuff. Yada, yada, yada. And, <laughs> you know, this time I'm going to shut down the fence and da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, and... Ah, uh, that was their one inside man. Was, was was the juice in this movie, and he got to show off his running skills in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. In the, in the end, it, it was a whole. It, you were hoping for either Telly Savalas to to be dispatched by Peter Fonda, mm-hmm. or something. Not the world's a pretty small place. In credits, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like. <laughs> Did they really think they were going to get a sequel out of this or something? Because that's really weird. Because say what you will about Telly Savalas, he wasn't a very um, he wasn't he wasn't one of those actors that needed to survive a film. Like I I seen him die in a shit ton of crappy little foreign films from from, from every uh, every country almost in Europe that he that he did something in, and uh, I'm sure he would have gladly got blown up in a helicopter or uh, dropped into a landmine or run over by a jeep or whatever but uh here he survives for some reason which is just weird there's no uh there's no real conclusion to anything it's like Maud Adams doesn't get to like shoot his dick off or something like that like 
you, you would have expected something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So ever since he, even you mentioned the 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 me, the me too scene with uh, mm-hmm. Telly and, and Maude Adams, I mean, he was really trying to like say, "Hey, I'm gonna do strange things to you sexually to find your boyfriend." You know, he was really getting into it to to the point of being like, "Ew, that's kind of gross." You know, and, uh, yeah, to, to, for nothing to happen from that, as far as either her killing him or. Because she, she was handling the, the, that weapon pretty well at the end when they were having their little rough and tumble in the sand. Uh, you think that he would have showed up or, like, they would have seen his helicopter fly up because there, there's, there's a point in this movie to say, hey, you, you could do with a rifle, you could take out a small aircraft. And, you know, that... Mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have... I wouldn't mind. Usually people, people care about, like, when something comes back around again, the same kind of thing. But I wouldn't have minded her saying, "Okay, there's the guy that almost raped me. Take him, yeah. take him out, honey." And you know he, yeah, he yeah. shot him with a rifle, and uh, his his um his helicopter went boom. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, and even then, they got rifles. I think they had like a fifty caliber machine gun on the on the helicopter. Yeah, it's like yep, he's going again. The world is a small place. Like no, yeah. no. You, you if you if you got twenty million dollars worth of diamonds, what are you gonna go back to your boss and say, "Hey, you just a little too fast for me," and I kind of sound like Charles Bronson right now. I apologize for that, but um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that one alone. But you you wouldn't go you... you wouldn't go back to your boss and say, "Hey, I lost twenty million dollars, you know, of worth of diamonds," but you know what? There's always a sequel. <laughs> like fuck no, you'd probably be executed. You know. Should get back my diamonds? No dice. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's not great, but it's it's a nice like I guess ensemble that that, mm-hmm. that should should have worked better with a Roger Moore. I, yeah, yeah. I think if you had Roger Moore in this movie, this would go from the rating I'm going to give to it and at least add two points to it because he he would add a little little more flavor to the role. Mm-hmm. But um. Anything else you like to say about it, Lee? And what do you give it one to ten? Uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, it, it's it's a maybe a little bit too long, but um, overall, there's there's a lot of stuff goes uh, explosions, lots of explosions, lots of shooting. Uh, Maude Adams looks good. The actors are good, and it's it's an enjoyable waste of time. I'd probably sit it at a about a six, I think, as far as these sort of films go. It, it's a little bit better than average, but it's, you know, it's it, it's definitely not among the best ones out there of this sort of genre. Uh, yeah, one thing we didn't mention again is uh, both these films are pretty banging soundtracks as far as uh, mm-hmm. the orchestral stuff goes. And uh, this, this that's one of the highlights of this film for me is the, the soundtrack. And, um, yeah, the juice is real good. O.J. Simpson... Uh, pl- pl- plays charismatic pretty well. Yeah, Christopher Lee killing hookers in this movie. Yeah. He doesn't make deals with whores, apparently. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great. Um, he just seems like the, he, he's got that demeanor in this film. Like, he can cut your head off anytime he wants to. But he's got yeah. he's got not Roger Moore telling him not to, so you're good for right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm at about a six two as well. It, it's not middle of the road, but it, it's just something. If you want to pursue it, go check it out. I'm gonna check right now. I know somebody put out a Blu-ray for this. And I, yeah, Kino Lober uh, did. Oh, Kino Lober did. Or okay. Lorber. Mm-hmm. So that's out there. Kino's always Kino always has sales, so 
you might be able to get this up for like a cool eight bucks off of the Kino sale one time. So if you want to check it out, uh, more power to yeah. you. Kino uh, put some nice prints out there for first stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're the uh, they're the MGM Criterion essentially. Yeah, and I love I love them for that. I mean, I I was bitching, I bitched to a friend of mine about people like well MGM doesn't have the money for it obviously because they're they're not very financially there at all anymore but mm-hmm. Warner's uh good news good news the, in the rumor mill is that they're finally giving a 4K restoration to Superman the, the Superman the oh, movie yeah? and that that's coming you know and huh. that makes me happy that they're, they're caring for some of their I, I'm sorry I love Superman the movie but there's parts of it where it looks very choppy and that it, yeah. it can use some love as far as that goes and I'm glad that they're they're going through with that but um we're not talking about Superman. We're talking about uh, Killer Force here, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is which is an okay time. It's just not the best thing you're gonna see all week. Um, yeah, yeah. When with that, we'll come back and we'll uh, talk about some dead people and close out the show. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension. Of not only a film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break! Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I ins- like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself, and maybe Ooh. he can you know just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think? I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter, and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and you know sure, just sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that I think <laughs> sure why not well you know what I don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us I like that you can find us at who will survive on iTunes Stitcher on the Legion podcast network and on the raw live and unedited podcasting network also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name oh wait can we do it underwater uh, with that, piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool um yeah unfortunately this is the time of the show where we're going to talk about some dead people and a segment known as the butcher's block uh one 
death that this is all about the ladies, I guess, today, because I have two deaths that uh, involve women, and um, one of which was a Marvel artist and mostly colorist, Marie Severin. She died at 89 years old. Uh, she um, she she worked in the, the, the business uh, at, at a time where it was pretty much a boys' game in the 60s. And, uh, yep. she, she worked on Incredible Hulk called The Conqueror, and, uh, she also worked with, with, um, EC Comics initially, you know, so oh, yeah. that's good stuff. But she, uh, she had a stroke, I guess, in 2007, or a, a second stroke, I think, and, um, she's been all that great ever since as far as, like, uh, having her faculties or whatnot. Right. But, um... And this should do her um, <clears throat> coloring and penciling. She uh, actually designed the original costume for Spider Woman, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of stuff in the eighties was she worked on for for uh, Marvel, which is not, you know, the best time people would say. But um, yeah, oh my god! But yeah, she won several awards, and then like I said, there's a, there's a lot of women in the game now. You 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 can point them all out, but back in those days. Um, Especially in the '60s with Marvel, it was mostly a boys' game, and she 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 was right in there with them. And uh, I, I commend her for getting up in there and doing some great work with them. And uh, she she will be missed. Yeah, rest in peace. And uh, I guess the big one uh, we I mentioned it off 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 uh, kilter with the others last show. That and I'm glad we didn't talk about her because it would it, it would hurt my soul because the Queen of Soul uh, Rita Franklin uh, passed away. Recently, her her big funeral was yesterday, and it was a, it was a nice gathering, mm. public gathering of people, and uh, a lot of performances, a lot of great speeches, and um, she got her start a lot way. A lot of her her folks uh, get get their start in, in the church, you know, in the choir, and uh, she, yep. she of course came. She's from Detroit, so it's not that hard, hard of a stretch to to uh, become a great singer in her own right. I mean, if you look at the the, the track list of, of of her greatest hits. Uh, Ch- Chain of Fools, F- Freeway of Love. I mean, they're, 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 there's there's so many of them. Um, oh, yeah, Aretha was a biggest life. My first glimpse of her ever was at, of course, the great event of WrestleMania three, right. and uh, her doing uh, "America's Beautiful." And mm-hmm. I, I've been in love with her ever since, as far as like it being one of those big voices out there. And but um, apparently. The cancer she passed away from, it was a family thing. I guess two two of her sisters passed away from the same cancer. So, oh. uh, cancer sucks, people. Uh, yeah, but we will always have our music uh, here and forever. I've always been a a kid that was brought up in a weird upbringing. I, I the the punk rock stuff from my cousin, and when I was hanging out with my aunties, I, I had the oldies cranking, and mm-hmm. Aretha did that and. Her appearance in the Blues Brothers solidified, but my, yeah. my my love for Aretha and it it hasn't it hasn't dwindled at all. So, Lee, Lee, what's your thoughts on Aretha? Oh no, uh, great voice, uh, great artist. Uh, a cliched thing to say, but uh, again, yes, the the Blues Brothers appearance is something someone has to everyone has to see. I mean, if you're not familiar with her, that's a good introduction to just to see how powerful her voice actually was. Um, she was actually, she actually had enough range that she could do opera. So, um, that, that's how, that's how powerful a singer she was. So, uh, and a lot of classic songs, including Respect, probably the most well-known one, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So rest in peace. Oh my God. But, um, yeah, 
that's that's the end of this one basically. And I'll uh, I'll kick it to you, Lee. Uh, tell us all about it, man. What, what, what do you got going on? Okay. Um. So my main podcast is They Must Be Destroyed on Site. Uh, tmbdos.podbean.com you can find everything there all the uh, requisite links uh, we've been doing basically horror all summer we do a little bit of everything I mean, we, t- we tend to stick to obscure and cult cinema a lot but um, we've just been doing a lot of horror, horror a lot of uh, hammer horror some uh, Spanish and Italian horror as of late we just our latest episode was uh, Countess Dracula with uh, Ingrid Pitt and the next time we record, we're going to be doing the sexy uh, vampire films of Hammer, the uh, vampire lovers, lust for a vampire, and twins of evil. So lots of lesbian vampirism and nudity and blood and all, all that good stuff. Um, my other, the other little podcast is our uh, sub podcast that I do alone called Blood on the Tracks, which is me looking at movie soundtracks that I enjoy and basically playing cuts from those. I uh, recently just did the second part of um, a look at dystopian and uh, post-apocalyptic films. So uh, a bunch of cuts of music from films of those genres. And uh, you can find all that stuff on tmbdos.podbean.com as well. So uh, that's good stuff. Cool. Uh, this show and the two drink minimum commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com. Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, to finally put an episode out about the Sabata trilogy, which included Lee, mm. and it was a good time and a good comeback for that. I, I thought it was a little shaky towards the beginning, but I uh, hopefully I come back and I, I, I please uh, whatever listening audience we have on that show. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Twitter at GW, Twitter at CineBeefCast, uh, Fleas and Flicks charity auction, first weekend of December... Um, I mentioned a few things I picked up for it, uh, <laughs> um, one of which uh, is a pretty big item, uh, Keeper Sutherland and Jason Patrick uh, signed extra Lost Boys picture, she's free for you guys to have, and uh, that that should be going, I, I'd imagine, and I added Bruce Campbell's autograph to the Ash vs. Evil Dead print, so now you got four autographs of that thing, so... Nice. I, 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 um, he was a lot cooler to me this time around than he was last time. So I was, I was <laughs> happy about that. And, uh, I love Bruce is like the, the image of cool in most people's eyes. Um, I had to get all happy on there for you people to just to say, hey, <laughs> you know, here's my $50 donation to the auction. It just say, hey, now you guys have Bruce Campbell on there. I think all you need now is Lucy Lawless and Ted Ramey. And I know they both do conventions now, so. Hmm. The lucky person that buys that would say, hey, I just need two more people on this thing, and I'm going to go seek them out. And uh, that would be complete for you. But, um, yeah, that's happening first weekend of December on the Facebook event page down on the website. So when I send invites out, uh, keep in mind this is an international auction. It's uh, I will internationally ship to you as long as you help me with the cost of that. Not, not 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 have to pay, you know, whatever. We're working out, basically. I, I just need... It's a little expensive to ship overseas, but I don't mind doing it, uh, dealing with customs or whatnot, as long as your package comes to you safe and sound. And, uh... And, um, if, if people don't want to actually bid on anything, will there, will there just be, like, a straight-up PayPal link where they can just donate? Yeah, I'll put that on the, on the event page. It'll be, uh... 
basically to, to beefunds at gmail.com. And um, they, nice. they, they want to do it that way. But uh, more stuff coming. I got another con in November. They, thank God I have all this break time between cons because I did three in like a month. And I think my brain was fried after the, after the last one was over. <laughs> it's like uh, Overlord or whatnot. But um, that, uh, lots of other great stuff. And my buddy has a pile of stuff to give me, so there's going to be more stuff. So it's, it's just, there's going to be lots of stuff for people to bid on and uh, to, to look at and adorn their walls with. Probably some real... <laughs> no, 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 my friend, is going to be some really random shit because he, he already mentioned that he has a... A John Voight Midnight Cowboy picture to give to me, and oh wow, yeah, that's random. <laughs> it's like you know, yeah, but it, I have no place to put it, so it'll probably be in in, in the auction for you people to, to to look at and bid on. And um, but uh, that's about it for this one. Next time, um, I have full crew. Might not have full crew. I I couldn't tell you what's happening next, but um, I don't like to announce those things because sometimes it don't pan out. <laughs> so, yeah, but um. Always remember here at the Simi Podcast, if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time. Oh,